as I love talking. <laughs> I'm so happy. Welcome to Improv Interviews with Margot Escott, a psychotherapist in Naples, Florida, who is using her 35 years of experience to develop improvisation programs, benefiting and improving the lives of those with emotional and physical challenges. Improv Interviews brings together the world's leading improvisational theater masters, founders, and innovators who are using improvisation therapeutically in unique and surprising ways. With great guests that include legends like Ed Asner and Aretha Sills, you're sure to learn something new about improvisation. This is Improv Interviews with your host, Margot Escott. Well, here I am with Buddy McQueen out of Las Vegas. Hi, Buddy. Hi, Margot. How's it going? It's going (laughs) great now that we're connecting. I am so happy to meet you. You're a very unique individual and a multi-talented one. So I'm going to start with the basic question, and that is, what got you into improv? Were you an actor and then an improviser, or did it go the other way around? Yeah, I was an actor uh, before I started doing um, improv. I I acted for about uh, 17 years before I started improvising. Um, But just community theater, stuff like that. And when I was 18, I got into uh, a uh, a talent outreach. Uh, That was back in 2001. And uh, that was the Four Directions Talent Search. They were looking for Native American uh, comedians, writers, and actors. And I got into it as an actor at the time. So 2018 was a pretty significant year for you as well, wasn't it? 2018, uh, two years ago. Uh, well, I'm I, sorry. No, I I'm remember. sorry. When, you're, when you were 18 years old. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, just... when I was 18. Yeah, that was a significant year for me because uh, it was this big moment in my life when I realized, hey, maybe I could be an actor for a career because I I got pretty far in that uh, in that talent search, uh, made it all the way to New York, went and auditioned there, and then after auditioning, and after that, my mom passed away, uh, and that was a big bump in my road because, you know, it made it to where uh, I was grieving instead of chasing after my dreams or whatever so it kind of it uh, took a little uh punch in the stomach to me uh so to say uh it was like i was flying really high and then got dropped down really low uh so yeah that was a big obstacle for me that's a horribly big loss when you're just 18 just 18. So um, you're one of the very few Native American improvisers right now. And can you tell us a little bit about your background and your culture, where you come from? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm from Ely, Nevada. It's a tiny little town in Nevada up near, uh, if you look on a map, it's up near Utah, but Nevada is a big, vast wilderness. It's one of the most wilderness heavy uh, states uh, because of my tribe. Uh, actually, because of something called the Ruby Mountain uh, uh, Treaty. So a lot of our, the state's land up until few, up until, you know, about 18 years ago, 
was uh, in dispute. So none of that land could really be used for anything. It was all federal land, but it was federal land that couldn't really actually be used for anything. Uh, but since then, now it can be used. I, I went off into a weird tangent there. I forgot what the question was. Oh yeah, I was telling about some of my background as a native, yeah, I'm a Shoshone, Western Shoshone specifically. Uh, and uh, so, uh, the Ely Shoshone more specifically, and if you really get really specific, Nua, which is uh, the Shoshone word for what our tribe is called, Nua. If you go to the south right now where I am in Las Vegas, the Paiute, uh, they call themselves Nuwu or Nuuvi. Uh, so it just depends on how close you get to me. If you're a very, very, very close friend, then uh, I'll let you know to call me Nuwu. Uh, you're a little bit less close than that, it'll be like Shoshone. <laughs> Uh, if you're less close than that, it's just an acquaintance. I'll be like, yeah, I'm Native American. Um, but that that's, yeah. So I wanted to ask you a question. There was a terrible massacre in Utah, you know, 100 years ago or more. Uh, and, is that this, and it was pretty famous. Um, and I can't think of the name of it right now. I want to say something meadow. Is that the disputed land you're talking about where there was, where the Mormons had massacred so many Native Americans? Uh, or... I think that's more of a Paiute uh, tragedy. That one, okay. Uh, the the meadow one. Yeah. No, this one's just a you know your classic U.S. government uh, tribal sovereignty uh, treaty. Uh, how much land does the tribe get versus you know all of that, and so because that land was in dispute for so much time during the treaty, our treaty was actually ratified back in, uh, gosh, I don't even remember what year that was. But uh, yeah, money was given out. It's never that much money when a treaty is actually finally ratified. It's never, it never accounts for inflation <laughs> or anything like that. But uh, yeah, all that Nevada land really couldn't be uh, used uh, for all that time. It was technically federal land, but technically it wasn't at the same time. And there are famous disputes like uh, the Dan sisters. If you look up the Dan sisters, uh, they are two sisters who lived up near Elko uh, on their own ranch, ranching uh, area. And uh, they actually won a lawsuit uh, against the the U.S. government and Nevada, and uh, got to keep their sovereignty of their of their ranch of their land there. Uh, but uh, during that, uh, they uh, their relation who was with them as part of the protest uh, did self emulation set himself on fire. Uh, during one of when uh, the government was coming to seize the land there, and they they won that dispute. Years and years later, you might have heard of the Ammon Bundy and those characters coming through Nevada. 
uh, or ranching out there, and they lost their dispute because they actually didn't have a claim to that land, uh, not being native. So they had no claim to their ranch land. And it's com two completely different stories, but they're so strangely connected. Uh, and that's that's a little known story people don't hear about. There's lots of stuff like that, of course, sure. when I'm it sure. comes to Indian country and all that stuff. And do you work with Indian culture? Do you do anything specific that way? The the books that you wrote, the children's books, were they geared toward that population or? The children's books, I was I wrote them for my future daughter, uh, just to have that advice there for okay. her and stuff like that. And I do have some written that are geared toward that, but the ones that I've got out so far aren't. They're they're general. They're more general, and one of them is kind of funny and politically satirical uh, as well. It's called Donnie. Uh, Diaper. Diapers. Yeah. Yeah. Diaper yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pick that one up right away. And then the lonely potato and bullies. So and yeah. those are on Amazon, right? Yeah, those are on Amazon.com. So I go by Buddy McQueen. But if you look up my author name, Luane McQueen, on Amazon, you'll find all three books. Uh, and they're only a dollar. There's little short little seven page ebooks. They have wonderful illustrations by a guy named Joshua Kingston. Uh, I'm just so happy. I did these during quarantine. The Lonely Potato is kind of about being a kid in quarantine is kind of what it's about. And yeah, that's the fun. They're, I think they're fun and interesting and a little bit different. Yeah. And that's terrific. And so let's talk a little bit about how you got into improv. So you were an actor. You had a little bit of a letdown. So take us through what led you into improv, please. Okay. So I, I was an actor, but I've always, always, always been interested in comedy specifically. I've always wanted to do something in comedy. Comedy was always this interest of mine. I used to get really involved in like learning the history of comedy, especially learning about a lot of the stuff in the 1970s, you know, uh, which I consider golden age of comedy. There's lots of funny stuff. We got Richard Pryor comes out of the 70s, George Carlin, Andy Kaufman, Steve Martin. And then, of course, you've got uh, the uh, BBC. You've got uh, Monty Python, Flying Circus, and all those movies that came out of the 70s. I think it's just a huge time for comedy. Um, and you went to the film school at University of Las Vegas, didn't you? Yeah, I did go to the UNLV film school, which was pretty cool. I got to work with professors who were writers for shows like Northern Exposure and Coach. I got to work with uh, David Schmoller, who made uh, the film, uh, an old horror film you might have heard of, uh, um, uh, The Puppet Master. He, he was the director of the original Puppet Master and got to work with uh, Sundown from, uh, from, from Top Gun was one of my, was my acting professor. Uh, wow, that's fun. Yeah. And, and wait a minute, now there's an improv connection here because Puppet Master is an improv game in some circles. Oh, is it? What is it? Yeah. What is that like? 
Well, it's like uh, there's uh, a person, there's one person who's the puppet and the other one is behind him as the puppet master. And there's two sets of those. So the two puppets are being led and it includes body touch. So some people might not be comfortable, but like we (laughs) used to hold, I was playing it on stage, holding my partners the back of their pants to make their legs move and the shoulders and the arms and and the face and so the puppet master would adjust them and they'd be doing the dialogue of this scene yeah i know this game i know this game i just have forgotten the name of it because i do a lot of like uh a lot of long form but when i was in improv kingdom we used to play that game and then when i did my own show uh the spot uh we we yeah we we did our own version of that puppet game as well uh i forget all the details of it because my producer kind of ed paolo uh kind of created it uh not he didn't create the puppet game but he created his own version of the puppet game so we, we veered off of your, oh, acting, yeah, now your acting and film career and the wonderful mentors and teachers that you had. And you're still at University of New, um, New Mexico. Um, Nevada, Las Vegas. Nevada, Las Vegas, sorry. <laughs> um, so, okay, so we're there. We're there and you're out of school and maybe you've been acting for a while. And then what happens to go into that improv thing? So... I moved here to Las Vegas specifically to do two things. Moved here for the film school and to do improv. When I moved here, uh, we had the Second City Flamingo inside the Flamingo. So it was a branch of the Second City. And I moved here specifically for that, to learn there, to, to do what I can and train there because of my interest in comedic history I learned that so many of the Saturday Night Live alum had come from this Second City thing. So I did not get the pleasure of training at the Second City Flamingo. I did get the pleasure of training much cheaper with the same teachers that were at the Second City Flamingo. Uh, Liz Allen, who was the director of the improv at the Second City Flamingo. Uh, show and Paul, wonderful teacher, yeah. Oh, just just amazing, just an amazing teacher, and really puts ensembles together very well. Have you had her on the show? Uh, not yet, but I hope to someday. Yeah, yeah. She she's she's really cool and really really works. She can put in a, like if you bring her. 10 people should put that ensemble together and make it look like they've been working together for years within, you know, a couple of months should be able to really make that happen. They've named it. There's a coaching award in Chicago named after her uh, because she's such an awesome coach. And I got to work with her in improv kingdom and with my long form troupe uh, for like a total of about two years of working with her. And that was it was a weird time when she was down a lot of the time uh, doing chemo and stuff like that because she had uh, the, uh, the, the, the cancer at the time. So it was a weird time for her. but And for her to take out that time and work with us, uh, such a joy and a gift, but also like, wow, what a, what a sacrifice to, to 
to do that with mm. what you know yeah. little little uh time you have when you're going through that process you know you don't have a lot of hours in the day where you're really really clear you know yeah exactly and um yeah a profound experience for you i think to see somebody doing their craft even despite poor health doing the thing they love the most and go, reaching out yeah it was a pretty big gesture to do that you know she did that for paul and paul was my first uh teacher that i had and he really put the whole the level of all the basics and all of the you know like that entire foundation i got from him he was the first um local guy because everybody else in second city flamingo was from chicago he was the first and only local guy to ever make it to that main stage uh there in the flamingo and so i was very fortunate that him and matt donnelly were doing their thing at something called set uh which was before second city closed was the student showcase for second city and then kind of became the show in las vegas after that for a while uh, one of my things is you know i've been around long enough that i kind of care about the history of improv in las vegas because a lot of people newer people might come along and think well oh wow it started with this but i really like to kind of advocate for well it's been going on a lot longer than you think and it does have a more of a story history than you might realize you know i i'm a big advocate for las vegas and like we have we've got chops and we've got we've had people come through here with big names and 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 a lot of heart and that really 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 pushed this small community into what it is now so i have uh two friends that are in vegas one is faustino with musical improv do you know faustino faustino was um man candy's uh uh musical director uh from the from our onset and then we got a different musical director later on and faustino got very busy with comedy sports and other things yeah and then my other friend is robert corcoran with comedy sports oh nice do you know Bob Corcoran? I don't. I don't know Bob. I don't know Bob. I didn't really ever get that involved with comedy sports. I, I just didn't have an interest in it. That's fine. Um, you know, my my thing is Spolin. I was kind of introduced to Spolin early on in my education, and so I sought teachers who taught Spolin basically because I live in Florida and it's expensive to go to Chicago and pay for a hotel or New York even so. Um, so you had some great training and you fell in love with it, right? I mean, were you, uh, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely fell in love with, with improv pretty hard. I fell in love with it so much that I started my own show and started, uh, advocating, uh, other teachers and having other teachers come in on Saturdays. I would have a different teacher every Saturday come in and teach classes and kind of did this thing where I was um doing my own independent improv without realizing what I was that that's what I was doing in another city they would be like oh that's his indie show and his indie classes and all that stuff that's what they would call it but here it was just something that I was doing like I wanted it to be a supplement to what was already going on I was like you know what we need another day of improv 
city. There's not enough improv. That's when I started, but now there's actually, well, now it's the pandemic, but the beginning of the year, there was quite a lot of improv going on. So did you have your own space? Did you have a, um, a workshop class space where you'd hold these things or teach classes yourself? Uh, yeah, uh, I didn't have my own brick and mortar, but I would rent out other spaces. Um, and this is something I'm proud of in retrospect, looking back on it. I wouldn't have been able to sell it this way at the time, but it, with 2020 and everything that's been going on, I can look back and say, hey, my show and my classes were always inside of Black-owned businesses. So I can kind of hang my hat on that a little bit. Great. And and every all the money that I ever raised from my own show, it would always go to Children's Miracle Network, which is a charity. Uh, the local one is St. Rose Hospital. Just all that money goes to children's hospitals. I would raise that much money every year, or it would go to the hospital bills of improvisers who got themselves in a little bit of something uh got a little bit of like got mugged or or had some strange illness or something like that so if they they, they got sick right so looking oh, back heard, on it i'm sorry i've never heard of hospital for improvisers what is that no not a, no 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 that's not what, what i'm saying not a hospital if playing their helping them pay their hospital bills. Okay. okay so did you yeah. have a did you have a day job as well or were you lots of day jobs lots of day jobs. I was a taxi cab driver. Uh, I was a uh, high school teacher recently. I've worked at the Neon Museum. Uh, and eventually I actually got a job uh, as an actor uh, in a Las Vegas show, Alibi Las Vegas, the show, uh, which was a, a, an award-winning uh, comedy show. So that was fun. Um, it's called Alibi Las Vegas. Yeah, Alibi Las Vegas, the show. And where unfortunately, is that? Unfortunately, oh. it's not currently going on uh, with the pandemic and everything. But uh, it had a few different locations. And it was something that uh, it was unique comedic characters all along the way as you're trying to uh, pull off this quote-unquote heist so it was interactive and each character you'd be with someone for about 20 minutes while they did their shtick uh whatever depending on the character it was written by matt donnelly uh who's by the way an amazing improviser uh one of uh the uh founders of the neutrino video project and uh coming from New Jersey, but he worked heavily in New York with the Magnet and the Pit and stuff like that. He was the, he's kind of Paul Mattingly's big partner when it came back to set and getting all that stuff going. And one of the reasons why we have such a strong, uh, small community here in, uh, in Las Vegas. So um, you also, I want to ask you some a question. One of, well, actually one of your fans asked me to be sure and ask you about your Patreon account? Patreon? Patreon. Patreon. Oh, yeah. My Patreon account. Yeah, I do have a Patreon uh, for like uh, improv classes and jams and stuff like that. 
So rather than having people doing it on Facebook and having people send me money through PayPal, I've set up a Patreon account uh, to try to put uh, some jams and classes together, stuff like that. I set it up really early on and I really wanted more teachers involved. But to tell you the truth about that, I, I, I have zero Patreons at this, at this moment. <laughs> Well, to tell you the see, truth about it. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what Patreon is versus something like PayPal or Venmo? Yeah, so Patreon is something where if you're doing your art, let's say you're doing a podcast or something like that, you can have people subscribe to your Patreon and you can offer them uh, you can offer them either like uh uh products like t-shirts stuff like that or you can offer them more of your art so let's say you're an instagrammer and you do paintings or something like that you go on patreon uh and you can speak directly with your fans and when they think that what you're doing is a good idea they could pay you like a monthly fee and now you they can do like a yearly fee if they want and so that you can keep creating what you want to do. You could do it for a film. You could do it for a podcast. I was kind of like, maybe I should try this for improv uh, and see if there's people who are interested in continuing to take my classes. Uh, but not so far, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Well, that's okay. Um, so, and do you have a daughter now? Were you a pro- How old is your daughter? I saying, no, I was saying, yeah, my future daughter. Uh, yeah, coming in June. In June, uh, well, that's pretty close. Yeah. yeah, pretty close now. It's getting closer. And is your partner an improviser or actor or creative person somehow? Uh, well, I actually think she's a great. Uh, 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 I think she's a great artist, like a painter and stuff like that. But she, uh she doesn't pursue anything, any of those creative type things, but she's an amazing painter, no matter what she says. So she didn't design your beautiful shirt, huh? No, no, this is the original Man Candy design for Man Candy Musical Improv. This was our first t-shirt that we had. Cool, I like it, I like it. Do you have a store? Do you have a website and a store and all that stuff for classes that people can go to? I mean, are you teaching now, by the way? is what I meant. Um, well, like I said, through Patreon, I have something set up to where if anybody's ever interested in taking a class, they can let me know they're interested by doing one of the Patreon tiers, uh, which can be as little as $3 a month. And I'll give you a class every, you know, at least, at least a once a month class for $3 a month, uh, maybe twice and four times. I'm, I'm open to doing more classes, but I think maybe Patreon's not the place to do it. Maybe it's Facebook. I'm really just trying to figure that out, to tell you the truth. There's well, a lot of uh, figuring it out when it comes to the uh, the pandemic. How am I going to continue doing this? How am I going to continue teaching? Because I love teaching, but I haven't been able to since the beginning of the pandemic, like at all. Oh. Well, I was teaching it. in the beginning by offering free classes. And no charge at all. And those filled up pretty well. Um, so, yeah, I think there's all kinds of... But another question I have for you is, what do you, what do you like about the virtual improv scene? 
I do like virtual improv because you get to work like you get to work with people all around the world. That's one thing is like I get to work with people who are learning in different theaters and different styles that I would never been able to have approached before. I, I, I like taking classes too. I've taken some classes that I wouldn't have been able to take uh, otherwise. Some classes at the Pitt, New York, and yeah, yeah, and and Los Angeles, Miles Straw classes, uh, stuff I, that I would have never had the time to, to travel to another city and take these classes, but I can do it when it's online like this. And it's so nice. And also performing online uh, is this different thing. As a film student, I know that, you know, like different uh, things that we do have different meanings so when you get really close you know it means something different than when you're far away and and all of that to the camera itself so you can control your close-up your your long distance shot by your physical proximity and it has a different meaning or it has a different you know what i mean as a film student i know that has this different psychological meaning to people when they see it so i get to use my film degree uh, in improv now. So that's so fun to do that online. It's wonderful. There's a fellow in the Bay Area named Marcus Sams. I don't know if you know of him or not, but he's created a whole technique to use and you can do musical improv on it as well. It's a beautiful platform, Marcus Sams. I interviewed him a couple months ago and there's other people creating platforms now where we don't have the Zoom lag and all those other things that go on, so. Oh yeah, you mentioned Faustino and Faustino is definitely a person who's put forth uh, quite a lot of effort in learning how to get rid of that lag and make sure that musical improv can be you know, as in sync as possible. Uh, it's been amazing just to watch him and uh, Stephanie MC from- uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching them kind of figure this whole com computer thing out and get, uh, get really, really good at being able to bring that, that quality to people. It's amazing. He does, uh, uh, he does a show, uh, Intercity. Uh, yes, yes. The Intercity Jam. It's on Sundays, and that's the only day my spouse is off, and it's hard for me to miss a day with him, but um, I do, I have been to some of them, and they're so much fun. I love musical improv, and I think you do, too. Uh, and oh, yeah. Now, is Man Candy, is a full musical improv group? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we were, we were, we were online pre-pandemic. We were doing a Twitch show man candy musical improv on twitch and we actually got up to having enough subscribers to monetize man candy musical improv uh but then we stepped away from it because what yeah uh, one of our uh compatriots in the group wanted his friend he's he's a little bit older and he wanted his friends to be able to watch it and they couldn't figure out twitch so we, we moved to facebook uh, rather than rather than stay monetized, we unmonetized and went to Facebook, just so that you know friends could watch us rather than fans. So sometimes you make weird decisions like that, but it it, it it turned out good in the end, really. I think you're doing scenes with music in it, like you know, sing it, or I don't know some of the other games I like to play. Are you doing long form scenes with music? 
like so we do we do all of the above when it comes to our musical improv stuff we do all of the above like we've done full musicals and we've done lots of musical improv games right now uh the show that we do on uh, look at me plugging things on monday nights on facebook that's the yeah. point of this buddy <laughs> go ahead say it again no I i'm good i'm you. good <laughs> so the show that we do on monday nights at 8 p.m uh pacific standard time uh is a conversation and improv show so we'll have conversations with a guest and based on those conversations with the guest uh we'll break out into scenes and or songs so if we're going to just do a song alone we'll do we'll do it just like sing it and we'll say sing it and if we're going to do a scene into a song or just a scene we'll we'll do a cut to we'll say hey cut to this and such a thing happening and we'll do a, a thing from there it's kind of it's a fun show uh there's four of us but we are open to anybody joining us at all we always put it out there like if you want to join us join us yeah definitely. beautiful and that's so that's 11 o'clock at night uh eastern time then if it's yeah your yeah. time 11 our time that sounds like so i've been taking some musical improv classes and i i started studying it a long time ago when i first got into improv i was taught musical improv with a couple of really great people and uh I just love it so much. Now, when you're doing it on Facebook, or you do, do you have a music director who's playing tracks with you, or how is that working? Usually, uh, Tony, our our uh, one of our founders, uh, is playing tracks. That's usually the case. If we get lucky, and Faustino is feeling froggy, he'll jump in and, and be our musical director for the night. That's few and far between because he's a very busy guy, but when he feels like it, he'll do it. And also our other musical director, Braden Cox, sometimes will join us. Uh, but he's been having quite a, a time during the pandemic, so that's very few and far between. But when we're lucky, we'll have some musical accompaniment. I really appreciate it when it happens. Oh, I bet. I use uh, backing tracks from uh, Laura Hall's karaoke musical and yes. that's really fun she's great isn't she i just love laura hall um i love those backing tracks and i uh, yeah i love laura hall i got to take a uh thanks to faustino got to take a, a a workshop from laura and and rick and I, that was great great such a great people. thing oh and they're such nice people so now how about mastering harmonies because there is a way that you can kind of harmonize if someone starts on one note that you can go up a third or down a third. Don't have you been doing that at all? Um, not currently, not with the show that and it, uh, sometimes it'll happen, but definitely when we were starting out with man candy, that was one of our things was to really, when we were doing live shows, one of our things was let's sound really good, you know, and so yeah we would do a lot of different attempts at harmonies and sometimes it would work and that would be pretty amazing <laughs> even if they don't work the audience loves to see us mess up sometimes i think so you know uh it's nice That's to right. sound really nice but there are no mistakes especially with musical improv um now you studied with joe bill and learned the, is that where you learned the bat technique from joe bill yeah 
Yeah, the first time the first time I ever did a bat, it was part of uh, a Herald workshop with Paul Mattingly, but I didn't really get in depth with it until I did the Joe Bill workshop. And yeah, I'm part of a troupe now, the Unwatchables. Oh wow! Who's in that? Anybody else in that troupe? Is that a, a Bill? Oh my troupe? gosh! I wish I had written names down. Uh, Cameron D, Sarah Disable. Um, oh, and many other people uh who are all from different parts all around the world central central europe uh peru new york people from all over the world went to this impro bubble uh workshop with joe bill and we learned the bat form and we're going to be doing that on the 13th of uh of this month uh as part of the socially distanced improv festival which is a new york festival so that's pretty cool like all those central european people are gonna have to wake up at four in the morning <laughs> but, and uh, i get to do it at 7 p.m at night but hey i'll have to wake up early for them one of these days yeah that happens it sure does i wish i could say this is going to be on before march 15th but i don't know if it's gonna oh yeah be on. okay but well if it wasn't on it's still up. You can still find video of our performance and you can find the video of our first performance at the Impro Bubble. So you can find the Impro Bubble and if you check out uh, Socially Distanced Improv, I think they have their own Facebook and you'll probably be able to see our performances in retrospect. Okay, great. And do you have a coach for that team or? Um... Uh, well, the other coach would be, would be Joe himself. So. Yeah, he's a character. Um, when we in here in Florida, we have a festival every summer. Will Laura, if you know him, in the Sarasota uh, theater up there, every summer we'd have great people like um, it used to be Baby Wants Candy from Chicago with Stacy Smith and others, and uh, Improv Boston when Mike Dakota and Deanna Creese were there, and just uh, and Joe Bill was there. Um, and uh, just some great improvisers. It was wonderful. Once a year, I can meet these incredible teachers and terrific time. So I'm looking forward to that again. Yeah, it's, it's one of the really neat things about being, uh, I think, in the United States is there are tons of teachers and they'll travel out to you or being in Las Vegas, I'm just a couple hours from Los Angeles and I've been pretty fortunate, you know, to be able to go out there and take one-time workshops and work with all kinds of people. It's amazing. Great. Well, that is one of the things I love about improv. It's the people that I meet and get to be friendly with. Um, and uh, you're going to be one of them now, I hope. And I'm going to follow you and maybe maybe try to jump in occasionally with you because you're doing great stuff. I just want to thank you so much for being here today. And any advice you have for somebody that uh, maybe hasn't been exposed to the arts um, that much, but would like to do something like improv any words of advice well there's one last thing i didn't kind of get to talk about and i'll tie it in with the advice okay uh there's this thing that i've been doing for a couple years now called the bupa nua which is learning my own native language using improv games and techniques and it has really helped me to find my more authentic voice in improv. And I would say uh -huh. if you're starting out in improv, especially if you're uh, BIPOC, uh, LGBT, 
don't be afraid to pursue your own authentic voice and find your way into your own authentic voice because anybody can come in and play little game, big game, you know, do one, two, three, four, five, but only you can bring yourself to improv. So always bring yourself into the show. Nobody else is going to do it for you. So that's my advice for somebody starting out in improv. That's great advice. And because you weren't really finished yet, we'll have to meet with you again. How does that sound to do a part two? That would be great. As I love talking. <laughs> I'm so happy. Well, listen, it's been delightful and we are going to arrange a part two. Um, and I, I do love Las Vegas. I was out there for the first time a couple of years ago teaching improv. And so um, I'd love to come back again. It's a great city. And I want to go to the Gangster Museum. I didn't get to go there. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> so you're just a beautiful soul. And I want to thank you for giving us time today. And we're going to see you again in the near future. Okay. Sweet. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to you joining us next time on Improv Interviews with Margot Escott.